This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man uh, back. You know, he's an FCC commissioner. He's on the travel. He's on the plane. He's on the move. He's out there learning about telecom and, and technology and things that we will need to know around the world. Joining us from a part unknown tonight, but it is Brendan Carr. Brendan, how are you? Good to see you. I'm doing great. So good to be with you, Joe. Thanks for having me back on. It's an absolute pleasure. Let me ask you something. Why do they keep on trying to do this, this whole gender and race-based scorecard thing through the FCC, when we know that any sort of move like this is completely against the law? It just is. It's not legal. And every time they try it, you guys knock it down. But now you've got a Democrat majority in the FCC. If you don't mind, let's start from this. What exactly is it that they're trying to do? Yeah, so just last week, the FCC voted three to two to require every single radio and TV broadcaster to publicly disclose a race and gender scorecard that breaks down all their employees by race, by gender, including for the first time now, uh, there's a checkbox for uh, gender non-binary. And the reason the FCC is doing this is because activist organizations want the FCC to publish this information so that they can pressure broadcasters to hire people or not hire people based on their race or ethnicity. And this isn't the first time the FCC has done this, as you point out. We've done this two prior times, different iterations, but effectively the same thing. And the D.C. Circuit has overturned the FCC in both of those occasions. So now we're heading down this path again for a third time. It's all about pressuring corporations, including from government itself, again, to hire based on race and gender, which is plainly a violation of the Constitution. Well, I mean, it would be a violation of the Constitution. It would be a, it would be affirmative action forced again, but that's been thrown out. It would be against the uh, the 1964 Civil Rights Act. On what authority do they keep on doing this? I thought that once there was precedent in court, that was it. I mean, they keep on going back and trying again and trying again. Is there a new angle here? Is there something that we didn't see before or the same old? Yeah, so there's a statute that directs the FCC to collect this information, but that does not include a mandate for us to publicly disclose it. And it's the public disclosure that creates the pressure campaign. And every time the FCC has done it, it's gone back to the drawing board. It changes one feature of it that the court had pointed out before. But in the main, we're still doing the exact same thing, which is putting pressure on broadcasters to hire based on race and gender. And look, I think as a country, we have a decision to make about our path forward. Are we going to continue to divide ourselves into smaller and smaller fractions based on race, based on gender, or frankly, are we going to return instead to what JFK talked about in the 1960s? What unites us is stronger than what divides us. And I do think fundamentally that is a fork in the road for this country. Are we going to focus on what unites us or are we going to allow the government to continue to divide us based on race and gender and ethnicity? I don't think that's a productive path forward for us. 
Brendan, what is the argument? By the way, it's Brendan Carr. He's an FCC commissioner. Go to uh, at Brendan Carr FCC on social media. Follow him there or go to FCC.gov, right? FCC.gov. Um, what, what is the argument by the three that voted for it this time, the Democrat majority? I'm sure you voted against it and one other. But but what was the argument? We need this because what? Yeah, well, this is what was so funny. Uh, they offered three reasons for it. The first reason they said the reason we're going to publicly disclose this data so that we can make sure that it's factually accurate, meaning that members of the public would be able to fact check the boxes that were checked on this scorecard. And I'm kind of puzzled by that. How exactly does the FCC anticipate that a member of the public is going to check someone's gender or check someone's ethnicity? And whatever method that is, I don't think we should be encouraging people to engage in that type of conduct. The second reason the FCC gave was because, well, we're going to publicly disclose this data because if we try to keep it confidential, remember, the Civil Rights Act requires the EEOC to keep this type of data confidential. Right. But the FCC says we're not going to keep it confidential because what if there was accidentally a leak of the data? And that makes no sense. That's like saying we should go ahead and sink uh, a ship because it might spring uh, a leak one day down the road. So right. the reasons the FCC offers are plainly what we call in discriminatory context pretext. What's going on here is exactly what we think, which is this is part of a broader effort by activists to get this race and gender information out there on every single corporation so they can pressure them to hire and they'll be liable potentially down the road uh, if they don't get the right, if unspecified mix of employees. And this outsourcing of discrimination to the private sector is something we're not just seeing here. We see it in social media as well. This is the same type of thing, generally speaking, where the Biden administration is asking Facebook and um, other social media companies, Google, to censor Americans for the government. But the Constitution, the Supreme Court is clear. The government cannot uh, achieve indirectly through someone else that, that which it is prohibited from doing directly. It is uh, Brendan Carr, FCC. Uh, so uh, as I'm watching this, and as I see DEI and ESG takeover, as I see the further division that I believe that Obama started on steroids, um, the one thing that always jumps out at me, and I use this example, and it's so, for some reason the left throws it away, but the example I always use is when they do this in sports, I'll take them seriously. Because they'll never do this in sports. Obviously, 70% of the NFL is black. 80% of the NBA is black. Great. They're the best players. The best. The owners want to win. The fans want wins. The corporation, the NFL, wants to win. And why? I don't want them to change the demographic. How dumb would that be? To, uh, to tell them you have to put Brendan Carr and Joe Pags on your team because they're lighter skin would be stupid. So when they start saying, yes, we need to examine sports as well and make it look like a community, I'll take them seriously. Is that a good argument to make or not? And I know that it's different in that you're talking about something that the FCC has purview and control over. But, I mean, if we're going to live in a society where we're checking out the percentages of the community and what percent that corporation or company has of that of that same demographic it should go across the board shouldn't it yeah look i think this extreme version of dei the tide is starting to turn on again i think people are tired um of having to be broken down into you know this faction or that faction i'm reminded of uh, president obama's speech from the 2004 dnc in boston the speech that propelled him to the white house frankly four short years later in that speech President Obama said there is no black America, there is no white America, there is no Asian America, there is no uh, Latino America, there is only the United States of America. And that speech today would not get you propelled uh, to the White House on the left. It would probably get you kicked out of the party. I think we need to return uh, to our roots of judging people based on the merits. And again, what the FCC is doing in this instant is something the court has told us twice we should not be doing. 
It is uh, Brendan Carr from the FCC. Yeah, Obama said that because that got him elected. But that, of course, you know, his actions were the exact opposite of that. In fact, I think he and Michelle just um, uh, just produced a movie on, on Netflix where basically one of the lines was, don't trust anybody, especially not white people. So, I mean, the, the whole where, you know, I'm my brother's keeper thing didn't really work out as well as Barack Obama presented. Um, let's talk about net neutrality if we can. Is that still a thing? Is that happening without me knowing it? Because nobody's talking about it. That actually bothers me when you've got an administration like this one. Yeah, so the FCC voted three to two a couple months ago to propose to bring those rules back. Uh, and there's a lot of people that are speculating that the FCC will move to a final order requiring net neutrality again, which is really just code for government control of the Internet. Uh, right. This April, the FCC may do that. And what's funny is I actually went on uh, Google's new AI tool, Gemini, and I asked it to write an op-ed in support of net neutrality, which, again, is one of President Biden's signature campaign promises promises for giving the government more control. And it did. It wrote an op-ed. And then I asked it to write an op-ed in opposition to net neutrality, and it said it could not do that. And that was an interesting example, not only wow. because it has to do with net neutrality, but because it shows the political bias that is embedded in this AI. And for years, we were told there is no conservative bias on the media. These are just algorithms. They're neutral. And here we are with Google Gemini laying bare for everybody to see that the algorithms are biased uh, in a way that is very politically relevant for us to continue to hold big tech accountable, whether it's 230 reform or otherwise. He's coming to us from overseas, so that's why I got a little bit choppy there, but I think we got what you were laying down, Brendan. You know, we saw that uh, the Gemini was asked to, to, to show us, I guess, our historical figures, and everybody was black, or everybody was some other color than what they actually were ethnically, and, uh, and Google, I guess, later apologized about it, but one must assume that it was a human being or human beings that coded that, that product, and they coded it in such a way that it's almost like the de-whitening of America. I mean... Does the FCC play any role whatsoever when something that is looked at as such a a vast information source clearly is only giving information that it wants on a biased level, not giving actual historical information? Yeah, the FCC has a a limited role to play in spaces like this. You know, we have Section 230, which is in the Communications Act that governs content moderation. uh, And there's a carve out for good faith content moderation, which implicitly means there's something called bad faith content moderation i think that's an area where the fcc needs to step in and provide some helpful clarity it is uh brendan carr from the fcc go to at brendan carr fcc over on social media um as as we break down the information going forward and i don't know that you've even got a comment on this but there's word that george soros might be buying a a a a majority piece of a large radio broadcast company does that cause any concern when somebody who is so political and so outwardly and openly political as far as really supporting campaigns like through PACs and everything else. Is that a worry for the FCC? Do, do you have any regulatory authority over who it is that, that happens to buy pieces of big broadcast companies or not? Yeah, look, we certainly need to run our normal process here, and, and nobody should get a pass from having to meet the FCC's you know public interest standard for being a licensee. You know, My understanding with this particular case, I haven't tracked it too closely yet, is there's an investment being made in a bankruptcy proceedings that doesn't quite rise to the level of an FCC review at this point. Uh, but if there is, you know, uh, de facto control of those radio stations, then that could be something that triggers sort of a full FCC review. And again, no one, you know, should get a free pass for that review. 
You and I have talked about social media a lot. By the way, those who are watching, listening, the, the company's Odyssey. Look it up, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. You and I, I want to finish with this. You and I have talked a lot about social media over the years. With Elon Musk buying X, Twitter, but he's calling it X now, um, there does appear to be more of an ability to, to freely speak, although they, there still are algorithms, and some are whitelisted, some are blacklisted. But he has been under attack, full-throated by everybody on the left, whether it's governmental left or just in the neighborhood left. They hate the fact that people can go on there and now be seen and be heard. And you're hearing the rise of something called misinformation or disinformation censorship because it's really dangerous that people can say what they want. Is there any role that you get to play as an FCC um, uh, um, commissioner in looking at that going, this is what we thought the Internet would be. This is what we thought a platform would be. It wouldn't be some board or some group of people telling you what's right and what's wrong, what can and what can't be put on these social media sites. So I guess long story short, are you happy with the move toward free speech on a place like X? And should we worry about the rise of mis- and disinformation boards? Yeah, I mean, look, I, uh, I did an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal uh, probably about four years ago at this point. And effectively, the title of it was Disinformation is the New Disinformation. And what I meant by that is sort of to your point, which is that people increasingly are taking the label of disinformation or misinformation and simply labeling it on political speech they don't like. And we need to move away from that, obviously. Um, and we saw that with, you know, the attempt to stand up disinformation boards and otherwise. But we see the same thing with hate speech at the end of the day. More often than not, people put the hate speech label on, you know, political speech that they hate. Uh, and that's not at all what we should be doing. We need to return to an embrace in this country of free speech, of diversity of opinion for a lot of reasons, not the least of which that's how we solve our country's most pressing problems is not through censorship, but free speech. Well, I think you and I have discussed this a million times without free speech and without, you know, if you, if you had to have speech that wasn't, uh, that wasn't feel good speech, if you had to get rid of that, there's no need for the First Amendment. The First Amendment literally protects people to say what they want, even if you and I don't like it. I'm not really sure why the left doesn't get that, but it's about power and control. And I really hope that we get a Republican back in, uh, in the presidency because at that point, uh, Brendan, you would get a third Republican, right? And then the, the FCC actually would go by the Constitution and by law, I would think. Yeah, traditionally, the FCC is three to two, with the three being aligned politically uh, from a political party perspective uh, with the president. You know, I'm, I'm still uh, a hopeful optimist and hope that we get to the right answer here, sort of regardless of the political affiliations uh, on the board uh, where I sit or in the White House. But, yeah, we still have a ways to go. And, again, it's, it's more it's how to get back to this idea of diversity of opinion, of free speech, of defending the right of people to say even views that we disagree with. And I don't know, you know, like with COVID, I think that, that really accelerated a lot of the censorship that we've seen. And I'm hoping, hoping that the tide is moving out a little bit on that sort of authoritarian push. Because at the end of the day, you know, free speech is the counterweight to authoritarianism. And when people don't trust other people with the soapbox, there's a very short, straight line to the ballot box. And that's why I think some of the same people that are trying to shut people down from speaking on the soapbox are also trying to limit people's rights uh, to the ballot box and who they vote for there as well. So it's all connected. A hundred percent. You know, as usual, we agree, Brendan. Uh, safe travels. Thanks for coming on. I know it's late at night where you are. It's Brendan Carr, FCC, over on Twitter. It is uh, FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr. Brendan, thank you. Thanks so much. Good to be with you. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show.
Hi, great to have you. Thanks. I appreciate you stopping by. Do me a favor. Stop by the social media. We have gained a lot of followers on all social media. I did a video sitting in my car, I think it was yesterday, where I, I asked the simple question, why is Nikki Haley still in? Over on Instagram, it's over at uh, it's almost at half a million. That's Joe Talk Show, J-O-E-T-A-L-K-S-H-O-W. On TikTok, it's Joe Pags, J-O-E-P-A-G-S. That's over half a million, about 600,000 views on that. Go and check it out there on YouTube. Posted video today about a woman who was asking for more insurance money after being in an accident. She said she couldn't work. She couldn't go to the grocery store. She couldn't even lift groceries. And then same woman won a contest throwing Christmas trees. Oh, yeah. So that's over. On, so I don't know. That's over on YouTube. Go check that out. It's Joe Talk Show there on YouTube. We're about 10, 000, a little over 10,000 away from, uh, from 100,000. And our goal on YouTube, for those of you who haven't been following, is to make Google and YouTube give me a plaque because that's the last thing they want to do. I'm a guy they've banned before. I want them, again, don't tell them I said this because they might not do it, but I'd like to make them give me a, um, a plaque that says 100,000. You get a plaque at 100,000. So go and follow on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, or X. It's all Joe Talk Show. On uh, Truth, on TikTok, it is Joe Pags. Also on Clapper, it's Joe Pags. Uh, yes, Donald Trump is going to appeal that case in New York. Trump appeals ruling in massive New York civil case or civil fraud case. This is from Fox News. Former President Trump's legal team has appealed a ruling from New York Judge Arthur Engeron, or Engermoron is what somebody said last week, called him Engermoron, um, finding him liable for more than $350 million in damages in the civil fraud case brought against him by New York Attorney General Letitia James. We call her Big Tish. With interest, the, the total that Trump is currently on the hook for is just over $354 million of post-judgment interest accruing at nearly $112,000 a day. That's how sick that is. James's case also targeted Trump's family and the Trump organization. Engerong ruled that Trump and defendants were liable for persistent and repeated fraud, falsifying business records, issuing false financial statements, conspiracy to falsify uh, false financial statements, insurance fraud, and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, none of which I believe was proven in, in, in court. I'm glad they're taking the case back to the appeals court, and I, I think I feel confident that they will win in appeals court. Let's do some pop culture. Bip. Dirty pop. <laughs> So they are appealing. Polo, what's going on? So I'm assuming, since I know how much of a Taylor Swift fan you are, uh, you had heard that she was uh, in Australia doing uh, her concerts over there. I had no idea. Okay, so she she's over there. Travis yep. actually went over there for a little bit as well. But the story that I was going to bring up is her dad is actually being investigated for, I guess, allegedly um, attacking a paparazzi or roughing up a paparazzi. In Australia? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, this happened last week. So apparently, I guess her reps have since, I guess, released a statement saying that two individuals were aggressively pushing their way towards Taylor, grabbing at her security personnel, and threatening to throw a female staff member into the water. Well, that could be a problem if you do all that. Right. Go down but, go down under to have some fun. Okay. Right, but remember, this is the, the paparazzi that was doing this, you know, and, and then I guess at some point he must have stepped in to, like, keep them away. There you go. All right, Polo, thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Carrie. I'm Joe. We're back tomorrow. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.